Welcome to the Chapter 49 podcast, a production of NTEU Chapter 49, representing most IRS employees in the state of Indiana. My name is Larry Lannon. I'm the host of the program. Uh, I am a retiree, and I uh, volunteer to help out with communications for NTU Chapter 49. Uh, We've already passed the one-year mark for our podcast. We try to keep it weekly. We do miss a few weeks now and then for reasons beyond our control, but we do our best to keep this a weekly podcast. And as always, uh, the person with me is uh, the chapter president of Chapter 49, Duncan Giles. So, Duncan, uh, welcome back. It's a nice spring day, at least the day we're recording this. Uh, I'll take your word for that. I know you're uh, you, in a closed office with no windows. I have no idea. It could be a hurricane out there. I don't know. But so, good to be with you, Larry. This this is always uh, my 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 lead in, so you can complain about having no windows in your office again. So that's okay. I, uh, I chose that, so I can't. I have no uh-huh. one to blame but myself. Oh, okay. So Manish was not punishing you. You did that on your own, just to give somebody else a a seat next to a window. So exactly good. so. Yeah. I was detailed to an office one time, and they gave me a a, a really nice window, uh, little place to to work, and, and I couldn't. I figured it was a mistake, which it was. So somebody else came in the office, and I had to give it up. So they are they are kind of rare, especially in a, in a place like the Minton Capehart Building, where you have several offices internal where there are no windows, and other you know areas where you have natural light coming in, and you have the windows and so forth, and. And you know that is uh, in many many offices uh, a major uh, bone of contention in bargaining, isn't it? Yes, it is. And when we did the restack several years ago here in the Minton K part, they had asked me if I wanted to be on a window, and I said absolutely not. We're doing the, uh, as you said, open light concept, so we wanted as much light from the windows. So I said, do not put me on a window in an enclosed office because that's going to cut off the light more let's get more window space for employees put me on a uh, hallway i gotta tell you a quick story before we get into our meat and potatoes of today's podcast when i was working in toll free when i first started uh, i guess would have been the 1980s late 1980s there was uh, a psychologist that was hired by the uh, i don't know it's by toll free or just somebody in government to just look at the way we worked and the stress levels we had. And, and I had the fellow sit there and, and double jack with me so he could hear my conversations with the taxpayers. It was clear to do that. And uh, just got an idea of all we had to handle day in and day out. And I remember hearing about his report. And at that time, we were on the fourth floor. We had no windows. We were on the Toll-free was totally in, on the interior of the building in Minton Capehart in downtown Indy. And one of the major recommendations of that psychologist was this is a stressful job it's a difficult job to take these calls one after another all day you need to at least have natural light some people need to have windows but you at least at least have to have natural light coming in there for psychological reasons and i have to give the management credit they immediately moved to our uh, made the proper uh, initial steps to get nearly all of toll-free moved to uh, an exterior area where you were either at or close to a window where you had natural light coming in. That's kind of undervalued as, as, uh, as an important part of working. Don't you think having that natural light coming in? I, I wholeheartedly agree with that. I think that the more natural light that you can have, the better off everyone is. I mean, everybody wants to, you know, 
take a breath, take a, you know, if possible, look out a window, see what the weather is, see what nature is outside, such as it might be. But just like I said, just to take a breath, I think it's hugely important rather than everything being, you know, the old fluorescent light type thing. Well, we're going to go from light to masks, and that's where we're going now. The big news in all of America, and we're recording this on May 14th, 2021. On May 13th of 2021, the Centers for Disease Control made a very big announcement. It basically comes down to this. If you are fully vaccinated, meaning you've if you had a Johnson & Johnson one shot or both shots of Moderna or Pfizer, and you've gotten in your two weeks past that final shot, whichever it may be, you are considered fully vaccinated. And the CDC is now saying that you, if you're totally vaccinated, you do not have to wear a mask. Now, there are a few little caveats in that for certain transportation, nursing homes, something like that. But for most situations, I was at a meeting last night and everybody took their masks off and it felt good because we were all vaccinated and didn't have to do that. And the one person who wasn't basically said, uh, I'm not wearing a mask and you don't have to either. Because <laughs> he, he, this person is pretty, I think I had one shot out of the two. So uh, I guess what I'm trying to say here is we can feel very good about the fact that we're heading toward more normalcy. That you and I are living in a central part of Indian, Indiana where uh, we're coming up in the month of May where the Indianapolis 500 is coming up and there'll be a limited number of people at the race, 135,000. That's a lot of people, but uh, I think you can see um, over a quarter million people in that place and you can go in there and watch the race without a seat. But uh, the fact is, those people were supposed to have masks on. I'm not sure they'll have to do that now. Uh, so there are a lot of uh, uh, implications to this. So, Duncan, the reason I mention all this, and it's all good news, I think, for most of us, uh, is that that's event, how should I put it? That is always going to bring about the question how will this news impact people working at the IRS? You know, will the IRS start calling people back to the office? Are we going to go from the new normal back to the old normal where people on, on uh, telework have to be in the office two days out of every pay period? Are we, uh, we, we'll talk more about the ITAS folks coming in. Will we tell the, the toll-free folks they have to come back in the office? There are a lot of implications that people are thinking about. So I guess... The question I have for you, based on everything you know and are hearing, will this CDC announcement, which is big news, have any immediate impact on the IRS workplace? Uh, I believe it will have an immediate impact. Now, when I say immediate impact, that's judging by, you know, the ice age was just a little bit ago. <laughs> now, if you're talking, if you want to talk immediate impact by, you know, the next week or so, oh, God, no. Um, because we are the IRS, part of the federal government, and nothing happens rapidly. We are um, going to have those discussions nationally with the IRS, I'm sure, on how they want to move forward. Are they going to want to check people who've been vaccinated? How are they, you know, how are they going to do this? Are people who want to remain out on um you know, full-time telework going to be able to do that. There are a lot of variables up in the air. Our folks who are, you know, just thinking about it out loud, are folks in the field now going to be able to travel to taxpayers? 
in that case, are they going to need to wear a mask? Are they not going to need to wear a mask? What if, you know, how do they know that the person that they are calling on or talking to has been double vaccinated or Johnson and Johnson single vaccinated? There's a lot of questions up in the air that are going to have to be answered and solved. So I don't think anything's going to happen quickly. Do I think that there will be some things happening? Absolutely. But, you know, in in real time, do I think it'll be happening immediate or quickly? No. Well, some of this will be government-wide policy. Some of this will be uh, IRS or Treasury policy that may change. And we will do our best as a chapter to keep you updated best way to be updated every day is to just check our Facebook page and just subscribe or what do you follow or like that. Uh, just find us on Facebook by uh, going to NTEU Chapter 49, Indiana, and you can find us there. And uh, we will con- keep you updated. And, of course, our weekly podcast, and if anything big happens, we sometimes will do a special podcast if it's in a, something of a, an immediate nature that we need to, to talk about in depth. But, Duncan, I think that this goes back to a question that you have been asked a number of times, and that has to, and this is kind of called, some people have called it a, a, the COVID vaccination passport. Anybody who is vaccinated, uh, I know when I was vaccinated for both shots, I had the Moderna shot, and uh, when I had both of them done, it was documented on a little card, a standard card. I keep it with me just in case somebody asks. But the question has been asked, will the government or the IRS eventually ask employees to document whether they've had uh, the vaccination? Now, the answer to that question right now is no. In fact, I'm, I'm, if you look at the private sector as kind of a precursor to this, as I, I've been reading a lot of news stories on this, and from what I have seen, the private sector is not requiring people to show documentation that they're vaccinated. What the private sector has done is encourage their employees with incentives to uh, get vaccinated. And of course, then we have the radical example of the state of Ohio, which enters you in a million dollar lottery. If you get vaccinated, uh, don't look for Indiana to do that right away, by the way. But uh, I just, what I'm seeing now are incentives of the private sector for employees to be vaccinated there, if there are examples where uh, you must prove your vaccination to come in the workplace, I haven't heard many of those. So when you know, there have been concerns that have been expressed to you by employees on this ever since the vaccinations began, what do you say to those folks? Uh, I tell them that as of this moment, there has been no word about having to be vaccinated to come back into work or to force you to uh, be vaccinated if you choose not to be. Yeah, and I, um, and I, I think that uh, this ties into something else we want to talk about uh, because with this announcement, and I'm, we've I've sort of touched on this, let's talk about it in a little more detail. Uh, you know, there was a way we did business before the pandemic. People generally came into the office. Telework was allowed under certain conditions for certain types of, of jobs. But we've seen, for example, the Taxpayer Advocates Office, the TAS office, which had fought tooth and nail this whole telework thing, and most other people are on telework now. So as 
we start to to move away from uh, the need to separate and the need to mask, uh, when do you think these posts of duty, these PODs, are going to open regularly for people in TAS, in the field, the revenue officers, the revenue agents, the support people for them? Um, we don't have clear guidance on yet on that yet, do we? Oh, there's it's it's clear as mud right now. There is nothing out there. You know, I keep hearing rumors or people send me questions. Well, I hear that the uh, field employees are not going to be recalled until September or uh, the call site employees are not going to be called until September. I've seen no basis in fact on anything like that. There has been nothing said about when uh, they're going to be reopening offices, calling employees back, uh, going back to the, quote, old normal. Um, any of that. So we just don't know at this point. If you're hearing something saying, you know, that this is what's going to happen, absolutely not. There's been no formal or even informal discussions yet. I'm sure the IRS does have a plan somewhere. They've not shared it with NTU nationally. They've not shared it with uh, God knows any local chapters. And I can tell you they haven't really shared it with their management folks. Very few people know what their plan is. And I'm sure it has to be fluid because nobody knew that yesterday that they were going to come out with, okay, if you've gotten, you know, if you're fully vaccinated and passed your waiting period of, you know, 10 days to two weeks, depending upon the vaccination, that you're good to go. So everything is still very, very fluid right now. We don't have any idea but they are going to need to talk to national and to you at the very least. And in certain instances, uh, local chapters like chapter 49 and other chapters across the country about specific things to different PODs to make sure that it is still safe for employees. Because even though we're fully vaccinated, that doesn't mean everybody that we may come in contact with is. And how are those, going, those situations going to work? Um, so it's, it's still very much an open question. Yeah. And I, and, and I think this ties into another issue that you, that we need to talk about. There is one group of employees who in fact have been recalled to the office and those are the people working in taxpayer assistance centers, the uh, ITAS and some other job classifications that, that might be tied to that. But that's the biggest group that will be going back to the office. They have been working inventory from their homes, as I understand it. Uh, so that's where it has been. Now they're being called back in because, uh, uh, the public needs to walk in for help and get, get their appointments to see uh, an IRS employee one-on-one. So those employees are coming back. Is there much that we know about, I think May 24th is the date that that's supposed to, to take effect. Do we know much more about that? Uh, basically just what you've outlined right there. There have been, uh, tax where employees have been back already. Now they're rolling it out fully across the country. They're saying that, you know, there have been tax that have had no ITAS folks to help taxpayers. They want to get this rolled out. So they're recalling these employees. And, you know, we've had employees contact us. What do I need to do? Well, you need to come back into work. Well, I haven't, you know, I, I'm susceptible, things of that nature. Management has the right to direct the work. Uh, we want to make sure that you're safe. There's, you know, that there's still six feet distances. 
that you still, um, you know, that there are going to be conditions where you're still wearing masks or people that you're assisting are still wearing masks. We want to ensure the safety of employees as much as possible, but we also have to be mindful of what management can do under the legal statute. And right now, if they're calling people back from uh, from this to work face-to-face with taxpayers, they legally can do that. If there is something like an issue of a reasonable accommodation, should that go to either their local steward or to you? Um, if they do have a reasonable accommodation issue, uh, I would tell them to contact their manager immediately, let uh, somebody like myself know, and then um, you know we can go forward from there. But if they're saying, okay, well, I'm high risk for COVID and I can't come back into work, I don't think that that's going to uh, be able to fly, to be honest. Okay, fair, fair enough. And so, yes, that's that's something people need to know. Well, going to uh, to so everything we're talking about today is somehow related to COVID, and that's no big surprise. There's something called the EPL leave. The EPL leave is just a, an acronym for the leave that uh, was enacted by Congress recently. Uh, there is a, a dollar cap on it, but it can uh, be taken for COVID-related uh, situations where you've had to be off work. Won't get into all the weeds of that now. Uh, but uh, and you can talk about it if you want, Duncan. But there is retroactive leave available and because there is a dollar cap on it. Uh, it's best you get this in as quickly as possible. So what uh, what can you tell us about that leave? Yeah, that's basically people have said, okay, well, there was we were waiting forever for the guidance from OPM, which we were waiting forever, and now the IRS is holding it up. Well, the IRS wants to implement it. You know, I've had discussions. National offices had discussions. Nobody really wants to hold it up. It just takes time for them to program the codes into Saturn. I mean, that's that's the sad truth of it because our uh, system is so antiquated and old that it just takes time to do that. So we are waiting for um, that process to take place, and that's not going to be able to um, go until pay period 11. Once that you know, happens, then it'll start to be sent to OPM, what I understand, in batches. Uh, But I'm encouraging everybody to go ahead and get in their paperwork to their manager now. So once pay period 11 uh, begins, management already has the paperwork, already knows uh, what time you're claiming to take under the rules of that. And information has been sent out on what qualifies for this emergency paid leave. Uh, to get that ready, because as you said, there is a, um, you know, there is a cap on that of 570 million for the entire federal government. That's, you know, people are like, okay, they're thinking it's going to be like tickets to a Beatles reunion, you know, if they had ever had one. It's going to go in two seconds. No, it's it's going to take a little bit of time. Okay. To do this. Okay. So. Yeah. Uh, basically, don't wait. Get it in. And has everybody been notified by their managers on on how to do this, how to apply for this? Oh, I'm sure that the managers have gotten you know very clear and distinct instructions on exactly what to do and to answer all of their employees' questions fully. <laughs> I okay. myself up okay. even more. So there is, uh, the real question is, and again, I'm the retired guy. I'm not t- tied in like you are. 
the actual application process is not available yet. Is that correct? There's been nothing formal out there, but you can, uh, you know, line up your information, get it to your manager. Okay, on these dates, I'm claiming the emergency paid leave for these situations. You know, they may ask for some sort of documentation if you were out, um, you know, for for children or, or due to COVID, things of that nature. So they may ask for documentation, but many managers may just not have any idea what to do yet because there hasn't been a great deal of guidance that's come out and probably won't until just before pay period 11. Well, let's move on to something else. And uh, again, as we've mentioned many times before, you're one of the permanent members of the NTEU negotiating team, negotiating the national agreement. Uh, You are still on Zoom, even though the uh, management had uh, at the outset of the talks assured you that you would be in person. Uh, Of course, that was before the most recent guidance, but still, Uh, The management seems to enjoy Zoom a whole lot more than you folks do in terms of bargaining right now. I shared a a cartoon that I found. I can't remember where I found it, but it basically said that a modern-day Zoom meeting is like an old-time seance. And it showed these people around with a Zoom meeting that looked like they were an old-fashioned seance. It's just how we have changed the way we meet and interact and so forth. So... I'm guessing that uh, this week's meetings on Zoom have been a lot like the other meetings on Zoom. Yeah, it's it's like trying to suck a bowling ball through a garden hose. You'll eventually get there, but you'll be exhausted. And there are much better ways to do it. This, it's yeah, it's it's a very tiring process, and especially when you have technical difficulties. We had several members of our team that have been uh, knocked off and on to Zoom due to technical issues. We had one member of our team where their computer basically locked up and they had no audio whatsoever. Um, And, you know, we were pointing this out to management as an example of this is why it's best to do this in person rather than something like Zoom. So it it, not only is it uh, extremely difficult to do via Zoom, but because of the technology issues that are out there, it can be darn near impossible at times. So I guess, again, we, we due to the ground rules and, and the rules of, of bargaining, uh, you don't bargain in public. Uh, let me just ask you this. How would you characterize the, uh, the way the talks are now without, uh, without violating your ground rules? How would you characterize the talks in general? Um. The talks in general, I would say, would be about uh, the front lines in 1916 uh, in uh, World War One. There's a lot of trench warfare and going back and forth, uh, <laughs> but not much. There's there's not much um, uh, going forward. Actually, there are some things on uh, on, on some issues that are. We're inching towards resolution on, but a lot of the major issues, there are a lot of philosophical differences as to how we're coming about it. So it's it's going to be uh, tough to bridge those gaps. Well, 
If anybody has ever studied World War I and trench warfare, holy cow, that's, you just said a lot there. And, by, uh, and if you saw the, the movie that came out a few years ago, 1917, that's another way of just kind of getting a feel for what trench warfare was like. So we'll, we'll leave that where it is. But I'm still trying to imagine that bowling ball ever getting through the garden hose. But I guess I, I won't be able to get that out of my mind for a while. Uh, it takes a long time and a lot of effort. So another issue, and this does kind of tie into COVID again, uh, we are still waiting on guidance as far as call centers are concerned, as far as whether call center employees are going to need uh, to wear a mask as required by the executive order from the president, which, again, we feel uh, there was good reason for that and health and safety reasons for that general executive order. But now with the new CDC guidance, do you? Uh, we don't have any specific information on changes where people working in the call site buildings themselves are required to wear masks, which makes it very difficult to converse on a phone. And I would hope that we would have maybe a change uh, more sooner rather than later as a result of the CDC guidance, but we don't have a change yet, do we? No, the uh, IRS is presented the exception to Treasury, and Treasury is now uh, reviewing it, and we're awaiting their response. How much yesterday's decision by the CDC is going to play into this, we have no idea at this point. Is the president going to, you know, the president issued an edict uh, that was basically already enforced, but reinforced it, that, you know, if you're in a federal building or federally space, you have to wear a mask. So is that going to be, you know, adjusted? We just don't know yet because this information sometimes is uh, coming very, very quickly. And, you know, as they learn more and as more studies come out, the situation changes. You know, people say, well, the science changed. No, the science didn't change what we know about it, how it transmits, how much, uh, you know, the chances of people being infected. The more we know, the more knowledge we gain, the more then we can adjust it. So the science hasn't changed, but how we know how it impacts us as humans does, and that's where these types of things come up. And it's tough sometimes for a bureaucracy uh, to catch up with that. Well, there's a little more to it than that too, Duncan. I think if I can add something to that, uh, yes, we know it's the science, the actual science doesn't change. Our understanding of the science changes because we have more data to understand how vaccinations impact us in the, uh, as we uh, deal with other people. But uh, there's another part of this. You will find some epidemiologists who have been saying for a long time that we in, a, in America would be wearing masks for the rest of the year, vaccinated or not. But uh, the new data has taken the top experts, the people who have all the latest data and know the most about this, are saying, you know, hey, we, we, we can loosen the rules up now. And you'll find some epidemiologists that may not agree with that. But, hey, Duncan, we have arguments about tax law all the time. The law is what it is, and we still have arguments about it. So it's you're going to always find some people who are maybe going to disagree with it, who know something about the subject. But I think we need to rely on the top experts and the CDC and the people who know the most in terms of how we behave. I, I think, would, would you say that's a good rule of thumb? Well, first off, I'm going to take exception because all of our tax law is perfectly clear and concise. And I can't believe that there's any sort of gray area in any of that. 
Oh, uh, <laughs> oh Duncan, oh my. You, know, <laughs> you so, and I, as, as two old tax law pros, I knew you'd appreciate that. <laughs> um, no, you are, you are exactly correct. I mean, there's still major companies out there that are now, you know, weighing their guidance on, you know, are they going to still make customers and their associates wear masks because you can't tell who's been uh, fully vaccinated? So there's a lot of variables that's out there and a lot of things do change based on, like you said, the data that we get. And so Yeah, we should we know that the, yeah, this CDC guidance is, is more guidance on our own personal behavior. Uh, I've had all these people tell, well, how do you know if you're the person next to you is vaccinated? Well, you don't. They may tell you, but you don't know that for sure. Uh, the idea is the CDC is trying to give out how we should behave dealing with other people. And, and in that, if we're vaccinated, we should not have to worry about wearing a mask, whether or not the people around us are vaccinated. And, and so it's more a, a personal behavior advice. It's not necessarily advising people how to do business. I, that's where I see the difference. I don't know how you look at that. I, I think that's very, very well put. Yeah, you just don't know, you know, that, will there be people that are saying um, that they're vaccinated when they aren't just to avoid wearing masks? Unfortunately, I think you're going to have a certain percentage of people that do that. The same people that say, I have 15 dependents when they have no children. Um, you know, there, there are some people that do like to exaggerate or stretch the truth when it benefits them. So it's, it's a matter of personal responsibility that you have to be prepared for. One last item, Duncan, and this is this is a little disconcerting, but I think this is more of a comment on what happens to a government agency when for a long period of time you do not have a Senate-confirmed head of that agency. The Office of Personnel Management, OPM, the government, the entire federal government's HR office, essentially, we now know from an Inspector General report that was just released that some time ago there were workers at the OPM, people working for OPM, not just the government, but for OPM itself, they had several COVID-positive cases, did not notify people working with those employees, and did not even require mask-wearing in that area of the workplace where it happened. Now, as I understand it, there are new... Uh, uh, rules in, in effect that would prevent that from happening now. But the fact that it did happen and the inspector general has now confirmed and documented this, this is disconcerting. But Duncan, I do think it, it, it shows how uh, in the previous administration, it was kind of a regular thing not to have a Senate confirmed head of the agency. I think that when you have that, you have more direction and you have uh, more concern about these sorts of issues. What, what's your reaction when you hear something like that? Uh, yeah, it, it's it's very disturbing when you hear something like that because, you know, we've we've had edicts, you know, from the top of the pandemic. And I give Commissioner Reddick and his staff credit, um, along with National NTU, that's been that was very much pushing for it, and they worked in concert to try and make sure things were done the right way. But when you do have agencies that, like you said, don't have a permanent head or don't have uh, perhaps as many bargaining unit employees or a stronger union that these types of things may happen where, you know, I can, I can tell you when we have 
in a building, there's notifications when somebody has uh, a confirmed case of COVID, there's cleaning that's done, things of that nature. And uh, that is not universal among all agencies. Now, sometimes the IRS doesn't get it right. Sometimes they're not moving enough employees, not getting the cleaning done fast enough, uh, those types of things. But we're trying. And those other types of instances from other agencies where you hear that, it just makes you shake your head and go, what were they thinking? Why were they not wearing masks? Why in the world would they not let people know that someone in your area has had this happen to you? And, you know, you need to, you know, make sure that you're taking precautions and that there needs to be extra cleaning done to make sure that uh, any infection, uh, the spores that are still there, things of that nature, are cleaned up in that particular area to make it as safe as possible for employees. Well, Duncan, this it's time to wrap up the podcast. Uh, again, final comments before we finish. Um. I just, I just want to say, you know, this is, it's now showing more and more vaccination is very, very important. I would urge everyone to, uh, to get vaccinated. You know, you see, hear all sorts of rumors about it. Um, they're, they get debunked. That doesn't cause infertility. It doesn't cause, you know, brain damage. It doesn't cause any of those side effects. It has been tested. People go, well, it was an emergency approval. Yeah, because it was a shorter time period, but that doesn't make it any less safe. I, so I would urge everyone to um, to do that. I mean, I'm, I'm, you know, as a guy out there now, if, if you know, interested and if I ever do actually go out on a date, I'm going to make sure that somebody's been vaccinated twice before I would meet with them in person just to be on the safe side. Okay, so Duncan has his own personal uh, vaccination passport policy. <laughs> oh, that's for okay. my own for my own personal safety, and that's <laughs> like we go back to the earlier where we said, you know, what what do you, you know? It's a personal decision and personal choices there. Okay, we thank you, Duncan Giles. That's Duncan Giles, president of NTEU Chapter Forty Nine, and we want to thank you for listening to the Chapter Forty Nine podcast. If you enjoy listening to our podcast, uh, let others know. You can find us on most internet uh, platforms for podcasts. Just uh, go and and uh, you can search podcasts by Larry Lannan, L-A-N-N-A-N. I produce a number of podcasts. Just look for the Chapter 49 podcast. So we hope you are all well, and we ask each of you to please be safe and be kind. <music>